Coming to you this week from the showroom of Sela Trailer Sales is another episode of Watch Your Tail Swing, where Jason and Jerome talk about the independent RV dealer business, RV maintenance, do's and don'ts, and weekend warrior camper thoughts. Stay tuned. This week, Jason talks about Sela Trailers new trailers that have just shown up and some of the features that we're seeing in those trailers. And Jason will talk about other poignant issues from the week at work. Jerome talks about buying a used RV and how a few weeks of cleanup and a short shakedown trip exposed more problems than he had imagined. All right, Jason, what happened this week? What's going on here at the in the lot? Oh, well, we're finally starting to get some new trailers in um, seems like supplies kind of loosening up a bit and actually starting to see product arrive again which is nice it's about time the weather's good it's getting sunny it's 55 degrees some, yeah you know pretty pretty decent weather people are starting to get out want to dewinterize get ready to go yeah, I'm in that I'm in that bucket right now of, of wanting to dewinterize. Um, so when I got here, I, I looked on your lot, and I, I get you know you guys do move product. I noticed you had a couple new trailers out there. I noticed one that had two side doors, and my first thought about two side doors on the side of a trailer was, uh, yeah, why bed, need... bedroom living room type yeah. concept, yeah. you know, or you know the escape hatch. I, I uh, remember somebody. Somebody that uh, I met in the past said that they would never buy a trailer unless it had two doors because they wanted at least one full door egress, not having to climb out of a window in an unfortunate emergency. Which, yeah. yeah, it's really common floor plan out there where you open up the door and the bed's right there. Um, but, you know, there's also... Other floor plans, like the one like, that we can see straight out here, you know, that's actually a door that leads right into the bathroom, like literally right into a bathroom. Your bathroom. So, you know, when you're cruising down the road and somebody needs to stop and use the restroom, you can basically find any safe spot, pull over, unlock the door, hop in. Use the bathroom, hop back out, get on the road. Right. You know? But the, Without having to traipse through the trailer. Right. You don't have to put the slide out. The, the uh, lavatory has a, you know, you got a faucet. You can wash your hands. It's, right. Everything's right there. Super easy. And, uh, yeah, my, my experience having a motorhome was the fact that we, of course, are inside the vehicle. And that is one of the big differences I hear people with toads talk about is the fact that, you know, if you move from motorhome to toad or you move from from toad to motorhome, that's a big thing that they notice is that motorhome people are used to stopping in a safer place, a clear shoulder, even a rest stop, and just throwing the rig in park yeah. and doing your business, not even shutting down because you're not going to stay long, and then... Heading, heading out again. Toad people, the comments I've always heard have been, you have to stop, and you have to get out, and then you have to put your steps down at least, because you've sure. got to get yourself up into it, and then 
and then you're talking about having to push out slides because a lot of the slides are interference slides. They interfere with your flow through the rig. Right. So you got to pop your slide just to get to the bathroom. But that's the one thing I hear from those toad people is, well, stopping to use the bathroom is kind of a pain. Yeah, yeah, and that's true. And be- But this would improve that. This would make this a whole lot it less. It makes it a lot easier. You know, I mean, it sounds... sounds- and it's a mudroom, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, exactly. I mean, you can go in there and use the bathroom when you're at the beach, again, without going through the rest of the trailer. You know, right. you can isolate sand to one spot right. or, you know, pine needles or, or whatever. And if you've got... A dirty dog. You yeah, can rinse exactly. them off in the shower. Yeah, or kids. Messy kids. Yeah, you know, because you've got kids, the kids are yeah. messy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You're going to want to, like... Walk them right in there and throw them right in the shower because they will have touched something sticky, icky, disgusting. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just part of the deal. That I hadn't thought about that because in in the past I've really only had a lot of exposure with trailers and even a hand. I mean, in looking at old RVs, Fleetwood years ago made a forty footer, gas forty footer that had a door to the bedroom in the back. Yeah. A two-door motorhome. Yeah. And you don't see that in motorhomes anymore. But that's a that 20, is, yeah, that's 25-plus really, years old. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. So and, and, you know, there are motorhomes now where you do have to put the slides out to get back to the bathroom. Because they have put so many slides. In, and the slides are interfering yeah, with exactly. your flow. So, I mean, you can get up and get into the driver's seat in the cockpit and do your thing and cruise down the road. But when you stop to use the restroom, you're basically back in that same position. Except you don't have to go outside. The guy with the towed vehicle mm-hmm. still has to, you know, say it's freezing cold. Mm-hmm. Still has to get out and run around where mm-hmm. the guy, you know, in the big brand new motorhome who just happens to have interfering slides well he just kind of stands up and turns around and pushes the button and pushes the slides out and then goes and does his business Eh, everything's got its ups and downs i've noticed some of those with interfering slides i mean the bathrooms are like uh, i've seen i'm seeing now a lot of class a's that have a bath and a half oh yeah yeah those crazy ones where like yeah, there's another bathroom on the other side of the bed. Right. It's at the full right. back of the motorhome. That's really something. But man alive, what a nightmare if something I, goes wrong. What I'm seeing, <laughs> I, I'm seeing it out of Fleetwood at least, is that out of Bounders and Southwinds, and I'm not, I can't remember all the brands that Fleetwood builds, but in Bounders and Southwinds, which are basically identical to each other now, except for a little bit of trim, um, and I promise not to make this sound salesy, but we're not selling anything. This no. is just my observation. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's just stuff you're paying attention to yeah. because you're interested in those brands. Right. The What I find is the ones that have a half bath may have an interference slide in the bedroom where if you wanted to go to the bathroom that's in the bedroom, it's a rear bath. It's all the way at the back of the vehicle. You yeah. basically have to roll across the yeah. bed to get to the bathroom. Yep. But if you got a half bath or that bunkhouse model they're making has a full bath right there next to the kitchen you go past the kitchen you go past the fake fireplace and don't get me started on fake fireplaces and rvs oh that's hot man we're gonna have to do a whole segment about that because you don't you don't know how many times i've heard does it have a fireplace no oh (laughs) 
Ah. It's an electric heater. <laughs> it's, it's just a pretty... I mean, they're, they're, they look cool. Don't get me wrong. Some of my trailers have them. And I, right. I think it's... We'll, you know, we'll have to have a segment well, on we it. We may have to talk about that. Because <laughs> from where I stand, it's not like there's a little tiny propane gas fireplace that's vented like your house like you might have in your house or something like that i could understand little little tiny gas fireplace in there doing its thing you know and even with a forced air you know heat exchanger on it little 12 volt forced air basically what sure. you got is an rv furnace except you can see the flame yeah it just looks cool yeah but they're not doing that these yeah. are all those they're electric fake ele- they're electric yeah. heaters but they have the the fake illuminated flame yeah. and it's like sparkly lights sparkly lights i could buy that at target oh yeah I mean, not necessarily in that form factor, but I could buy that at Target. Yeah. And don't let it ruin a good trailer for you, man. Uh, <laughs> there are plenty of rigs out there that you could add a fireplace to. I yeah, well, <laughs> for like fifty bucks, <laughs> I would imagine. In other words, know. they're buying them Maybe from Target bucks. too. I, don't know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, they're yeah. I I just I think about that. And I think okay, they look kind of nice, and I guess if. It was late at night, and you know the the real campfire was out, and everybody had retired back to their rigs. You could dim the lights and turn on the fireplace. But then I look at how they lay these things out, and you have limitations, whether it's trailer or RV, whether it's trailer or motorhome. You have these limitations wherein, when I look at the layouts where they're putting these fireplaces in, and some of them is just kooky. Yeah, oh it, yeah. It's like, okay, here's... Some of them make kind of sense, like some of the fifth wheels. You'll see they'll have a TV against the wall yeah. that's transverse across the body of the vehicle, and maybe that wall is shared a little bit with the kitchen, but the kitchen's in a slide-out, and so you've got the TV on the wall, and you've got the fireplace below it. You know, I, I know homes in the area that are built that way with a real fireplace yeah. below oh, yeah. and that's where really... you hook up a TV. And that doesn't look janky, but then you get some of these others where it may be the same thing, and I'm going back to what I see in the new bounders. It's like, okay, it's kitchen on a wall with a residential fridge kind of stuffed into that alcove that they stuff residential fridges in. And you're going to find out how much both of us love the idea of residential fridges in an RV. Yeah, that's a great idea. And, and then next to it at maybe a 20-degree angle pointing towards the couch is the TV above a very small electric illuminated fireplace i mean it's not even a fireplace no. uh, could i call it a tesla place or uh yeah you know yeah, i mean yeah, basically uh, i mean I'm, it is you know you do if you're just dry camping that thing's just taking up space and taking up power too i mean electric well, electric heat takes up a lot of power yeah but you can only do it if you have an inverter or you're running your generator, generator. Well, you have to run your generator to you then know, make if up you're, for if you're plugged in in a spot and you wake up in the morning and you don't want to turn on the furnace furnace, and you just want to heat up that one little area, it works as an all right little spot heater. Mm-hmm. And it is does have some, you know, I mean, I guess... Ambiance? So, yeah, yeah, a little bit of soothing ambiance. But, <laughs> so, I mean, there, there's just, just like anything else, there's a time and a place for it. But if you, if you base whether or not you buy an entire trailer on that one electric heater... That's that's where I, you know, kind of start to wonder because 
Like you said, you can buy one and plug it oh, in. Yeah. It'll, I mean, you, you, know you could I mean? you could go to Target and find one that's you know a foot and a half by maybe yeah you know twelve inches deep, and you could stick it in your underbelly and then pull it out when you're ready to use it and just yeah. plug it in someplace. I mean, it just. I mean, I'm not ragging on. I'm not ragging on the concept. It's just yeah. It, it's not. I would be more for it as a selling point if. It was real propane. Yeah, if we I, were running real yeah, propane you could, and you had a flame, yep. And I'm sure you could find a manufacturer out there that could make something that's totally zero clearance. Yeah, well, okay, so you do that though, and then instead of a, a fifty dollar unit or a twenty five dollar unit, when they buy them by the thousands yeah. or whatever mm -hmm. these things cost, I'm mm -hmm. not sure exactly, but you know, let's just say now they're a thousand dollar unit. OEMs won't use them. People will be afraid, well, not people, but like the OEMs will be nervous about that, pushing the cost up so much. Everything has to do with cost weight, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know, all, but it would be amazing. I would love that. I think that'd be really cool. That'd be easily. The nicest selling point you've seen in years. Yeah, more impressive to me for sure than a little electric heater with pretty lights. And and that goes back to what I've seen in, in as I said some of these some of these you know middle middle high end class A's is there's just there's a lot of glitz in them. Yeah. I mean one of the things that I if you're talking about class A's modern class A's and one of the things I like is I do like the bunk that drops down over the driver's area. Like a Class C, but it's a whole mattress in a tray on a suspension system that drops in, that drops down electrically. I, I think it could be a service and support problem down the road, but I... I or almost immediately. Or, you know, oh, 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 do we <laughs> have stories know. on that? Well, I mean, I've, we've only seen one or two of those where it's been a problem, but the, anything that moves, no matter what it is, right. that's, that's just part of... Anything, literally anything, whether it's in your house, your car, or your motorhome, if it moves, moves. eventually something's going to happen. Right. I, but I do like that because I think that's one of the things that's kind of been missing from most Class Cs. Now, that's not exactly a new thing now to have the drop-down bunk above the driver's area on a Class A. But it is it is kind of that great equalizer between a Class A and a Class C. Sure. And, and it, that's kind of made... Like there's, there have been some brands like we were talking about the smaller class A's. There mm -hmm. are some brands, um, even a little older, you know, in the early two thousands or the nineties, that actually had just that one bed, was the main bed. Oh really? They had a, a drop down a, bunk in a class had, A. Yeah, and they would make a like twenty three foot class A that had. Oh gosh, that's that, a stubby. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean. <laughs> But, but, you know, I mean... There was a market for there, it. There was a market for it. In fact, we, I, there's one that comes through fairly frequently, and it's a nice older motorhome. You know, they were a higher-end brand that did it. Okay. And, you know, they made good quality stuff. It's just kind of, you know, it's a little awkward because you walk in to a lot of rigs, and, and there's a bed on the floor and whatever. And this one, you're looking around going, so where do you sleep? You know, there's couple chairs maybe a little couch kind of a kitchen and a bathroom in back and you're like so you sleep on the floor <laughs> but you know you, you look, find around, look around for a minute yeah. and you, 
you see what's going on. You see that that extra layer of thickness up in the ceiling above yeah. the driver, and then well, yeah, and which is cool because you don't use that space otherwise. You know, the driver's um, seats are just wasted space when you're just hanging out. I mean, you yeah. can you can swivel them around. Yeah, I know. In mine, the passenger chair them. swivels around. I think the driver's chair will swivel around too. Yeah, to probably forty-five. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, and the other thing is that driver's chair is pinned in a little bit by the couch, but the right. but the passenger will swing around and share that table to the side. I mean, that was kind of the whole point. And that's an advantage to a Class A over a Class C because those the swivel seats. Yeah, when you step down into a van front, yeah, your, that's your class totally seat. lost, except yeah. for the fact you do have the overhead. Right. That is a respectable bed mm-hmm. slash. Eventually, as they age, they become junk holding areas yeah. for a lot of yeah. them. I yeah. mean, lots of duffel bags and sleep bags. Yeah, you know, uh-huh. sleeping bags. Uh-huh. Anything else exciting here? You know, I come into the shop, and you know, you guys have all the parts and pieces and whatnot. That's that makes the business exciting. And yeah. Um, still having weird parts shortages. Seems like every single spring. There's one particular part that goes bad over the winter, and the company that makes the replacement part, it's like they fail to remember last year. And every year it's a struggle to get them. And this year they're just plain not available. And then you go on Amazon and they're also not available, which is really, really scary to us because there's so many of these parts out there that... What is this part? Should we talk about? Well, I just don't want to throw any particular company under the bus, but at, at the moment, it's it's a uh, water heater tanks oh. are, are a problem, and every year it seems like you can get water heater tanks right up until the spring when you need water heater tanks because people have forgot to winterize or do this or you know that's really the only reason generally, uh, but this year they're just plain not available and usually somebody has them somewhere um, but right now like there's just not and that's that's just kind of scary to us because obviously we want to be able to help everybody we can and if 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 they're you know because there's only a couple main suppliers of of each particular item in an rv Whether it's the water pump or the water heater or the awning, you know, there might be maybe four companies, if you're lucky, that make any one of those parts. Well, with the water heaters, there's just a couple brands, and when one of the brands has a problem, that just squeezes everything. Right. Which is, it's frustrating, because obviously we want to help everyone so you got you've road. got water no water heater tanks but then the next question is if you if you if push came to shove you could replace the whole water heater yeah but that's a lot more expensive obviously it's a lot more expensive and and then you got to find a water heater that will fit into the same spot or modify the space enough to fit it to in to fit there. it in i mean there, you can do anything with enough time and money i mean right. literally anything can be done in an rv if you can dream it and pay for it (laughs) if you can dream it and pay for it it can be done yeah but that's you know so that's a little sketchy not not knowing what's going on with the water heater thing because that's a real big component to why people have these things you know you want to go 
Yeah, you want to be able beach. to do you want to be able to turn on the hot water yeah. and yeah you, you're not going to be able to sit there and take a 30 minute shower but right. you can you at least can have a hot shower yeah and yeah and it, but that's one of the main conveniences of an RV so it's a little unnerving but I'm sure we'll then, and it changes every year yeah. every year it seems to be a different part that just yeah, is yeah. not out there yeah last year we were having a problem with toilet valves which are also an issue when people don't winterize or they miss it when they're winterizing and last year we couldn't get a hold of hardly any of the really popular toilet the, valves. these are the water in valves not yeah the, not the bottom valve right right okay. yeah yeah and now you know the supply is kind of caught up and it's no big deal anymore we've got plenty in stock now but a year ago right now that was the concern it was bad yeah and, you know, it's really hard to tell someone they've got to throw out an entire thing for a part that could be replaced if you could just get it for them. So, you know, again, same thing. You're not able to find water water heater tanks. Once you find them, you don't have to throw out the baby with the bath water. But, and so last year with toilets, you literally had people that you were probably were just to a point where they wanted to camp, needed to camp, needed, yeah. to, needed that toilet. And so instead of the water valve yeah they had to buy a whole they a whole bought toilet, a whole toilet generally mm. okay yeah. but that's you know i mean that happens in in every industry from one one way or another you know do you think they're they're going to get caught up i mean we've, yeah we've yeah. only you've only really been here you've only had about two weeks of true two or three weeks of true back to work right back to um not back to work but um Spring, spring spring busy spring busy it's yeah, about two yeah. weeks so far yeah, so exactly yeah we're just getting started and so you your feeling is in a couple more weeks maybe the tank situation will be up to speed Somebody yeah will have yeah i mean i would gotten hope the so. memo. yeah okay. yeah i know i don't have any doubt that they're working on it they want to sell stuff just like anybody else it's right. just a matter of getting the product getting it to the distributors and the distributors letting us all know that they are now available and do you think that it's also an issue of maybe they're building the hot water tanks for the new market first? That's always an issue. The OEMs get the stuff before first. before the the shops do, and especially and you know not to not to whine, but the small shops don't have a lot of pull with mm -hmm. with distributors or whoever. You know, you buy one water heater inner tank for each variety. You only buy you know six inner tanks okay at, at, and so they're going yeah okay we're going to cater to you when brand x super mega buys 600 at, right. at a time but, a pallet. but mm -hmm. yeah exactly but at any rate i mean they, our suppliers do pretty good most of the time keeping up and it's just i don't know it's always a moving target so that you know how do you how do you forecast for things that yeah I, there's you know, no I mean, way that i would have ever predicted or forecast that there would be a water heater inner tank problem right i mean and and nobody probably last year thought well it's going to be toilet valves this yeah. year or toilet paper toilet toilet paper. paper was a big deal last year we ran out of rv toilet paper when everyone was can i admit over, something I'm not, I'm not using toilet rv paper. toilet paper in my RV. I'm not sure. Should I? It will help 
prevent blockages in the future. Okay, I've heard I've heard different things. I've yeah. heard different yeah. things. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you use enough water and you're using chemical yeah. and driving and things are breaking up and stuff, if you were if you were just living in the thing and oh, it yeah. was just sitting in one spot and there wasn't agitation and all kinds of other things working in your favor. Right. You know, okay. that could that could and it does frequently cause problems, but it's not usually just that one thing it's all the things like leaving the valve open using the wrong toilet tissue not using chemical because why would i the valve's open um you gotta use cam you gotta have you gotta have cam and you gotta let that stuff kind of build up and then dump it all at once yeah you gotta have volume yeah exactly and i understand why people don't want to do that the convenience of just you know, leaving the valve open, it makes sense, right? I mean, you don't open and shut something at your house. But, I mean... These You're running a septic system. Yeah. You're running a septic system that doesn't have a drain field. Right. So, yeah. Maybe this is another segment for another time. Yeah, We'll talk yeah. all the oh, yeah. things we got to consider with uh, tank management. Sure. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a real big deal. That's a big deal. We'll yeah. come back to that at another time. That sounds because good. Because that, that'll be a good topic to cover. Yeah. Well, so that's the industry this week. Basically, that, that's, that's, that's my week. You that's know? your week. Answering phones, scheduling people in. We're booked for a month already. And that's probably not any different than your local RV place. So if you've got something in mind, call them tomorrow. <laughs> call them tomorrow. Get it done. <laughs> yep. Get it in. All right, well, when we come back, the next segment will be me talking about experiences buying used RVs. Yeah, that's fun. That's fun? You sure about that? I, I am. Okay. Well, guess what we're going to talk about in this segment? So I think this time we're going to talk about you and your adventures buying a used rv yeah yeah we're gonna have to talk about um i think we're gonna talk about buying buying the used rv which which to be honest i don't really like buying used vehicles it's not my cup of tea but i wasn't gonna experiment with being a weekend warrior it's a it's a lot different than buying a a brand new 20 or thirty thousand dollar car if you're trying to get into motorhomes and the absolute cheapest motorhome out there is $50,000 plus or more. That doesn't more. sound like a decent motorhome. And home. it's probably not. No. it's fifty. You can actually get a motorhome for 50 I, I don't think so. I haven't been in the motorhome business for a few. So right. Okay. Like that is That's my, right. My perspective may be a little off. I can remember gas being 99 cents. Yeah, I can, so, I can too. You know, there's that. Maybe I'm... But yeah, I mean, you don't want to jump right into a brand new Class A motorhome for your first unit. Not, so. not even a brand new Class C. And no. I, yeah, I looked around, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I was. And this is maybe rehashing old topic for some folks, but I, I was kind of bumping around on a little bit on Craigslist. I wasn't really seeing anything on Craigslist I liked in the local area, and at the time I was going through Facebook Marketplace and. There were some interesting things that were there, but I don't know. I, I stumbled upon this one. It was decent. It wasn't perfect. I knew it wasn't perfect. But, you know, it, it, 
at the end of the day, you don't look a gift horse in the mouth, e even if you're paying for the gift horse. And I admit that I probably should have done a little bit more research, but I don't think I've got any critical problems. Sure. Well, the thing about that, I mean, you can research till you're blue in the face. I mean, and at the end of the day, you're really not any better off. Well, yeah, and and you'll talk yourself out of everything you might buy. You know, I mean, you can almost always find a reason. I and I watch people do it. Well, we're just waiting for that perfect rig. That perfect rig does not exist. And if it did, it will cost you $300,000 and it'll be 65 feet long and you'll have to pay someone to drive it because you're not qualified. So, you know, in the end, you got to kind of, you got to decide how much you're willing to invest and what's really important to you. And I think you did pretty well as far as, you know, getting the things you were looking for in a rig without getting too crazy expensive. Well, I think for me, and maybe maybe it's, maybe my nose isn't working as well as I want it to anymore, but I, I think a couple of things I was looking for is that it wasn't obviously just torn up on the outside. had to be reasonably decent condition on the outside. Yeah, sure. And when you're talking about fiberglass exterior walls, you're, you, you're not going to be getting shiny, shiny, squeaky clean exterior walls on anything that's over, say, 20 years old. Sure. Yeah, I no, mean, oxidation happens, and that's, you know, right. and just weathering is part of having a rig that's made to be outside all the time. And so that that kind of led me to look at, um, I kind of discounted some of those conditional things, but I mean, big thing was, when you stepped inside, did it smell? That's a big deal. And if it didn't smell, then I probably wasn't suffering from mold, although you can get mold that doesn't smell. But I was probably not suffering from mold or abject filth. And so that was a big thing. I was also looking at the upholstery. You know, do we have a bunch of cigarette burns? Do we have a bunch of rips and tears? You know, is there very, very significant wear on the edges of things? I didn't find any of that. Yeah, look like they, like, you want to make sure it doesn't look like they rented it out to their brother-in-law that time he got kicked out of the house by your sister and yeah. he had to live in it for six months. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I looked at the cabinetry and the woodwork. Um, I was pretty impressed with the condition, but generally the, you know, the box work on RV cabinetry is pretty lightweight to begin with. I mean, a lot of hollow, hollow box work. But the doors on this one were solid. I mean, that's what's funny is the doors on everything are wood all the way through sure it's not corrugated with you know the the one of the pluses of a motor home is that they put them on the heavier chassis right you know uh trailers they're building so a guy with an f-150 can pull it with a motor home there's no f-150 involved they're they're going for yeah you know i mean it's a the, ups truck yeah that's what I, yeah, i've always had people say to me it's oh, stiff you, and yeah you know it can handle the weight so you get in a lot of cases and because you're spending more money you're going to get typically better cabinetry right you know and heavier duty stuff that way and so you know going through it okay carpet's not perfect but the vinyl's in good shape and vinyl's pretty hard to screw up, but mm -hmm. you can. And so, you know, I looked at the vinyl's in good shape. Everything seemed to work. The water heater worked. The water pump worked. The, the air fridge worked. The fridge worked. That's a big one. The that's fridge a huge worked. One. 
and you know of all the things that that have maybe gone wrong with this RV, the fridge is not one of them. The fridge was not in. The fridge racks were a mess, and I've cleaned them to the best of my ability, but they're some sort of metal that rusts that's chromed over, and they right. were not treated properly. And between bleaching the inside of the fridge and scrubbing the racks down, the fridge doesn't stink anymore. It did smell of like dead fish, and that was not good. Uh, <laughs> that is one of the harder... Harder smells to get rid of. No yeah. Doubt. Um, stove seems to work. It's got a little wahoo and a hinge, but we'll cover that when we cover that. Uh, bathroom, everything seems to work in the bathroom. And uh, the ACs all work. Um, and that's, that's big. You, and, got a, you got a big rig. Yeah, and, and this is the thing. When I bought it, the generator was working. The seller made a big deal about showing that the generator ran. Sure. And so uh, every time I visited the rig once, spent about a half hour with the guy going through it, generator was running during that time, the ACs were up and running. And when I came back to pick it up, he had the generator on and running. And so that's really one of the first things that kind of crapped out on me was I brought it out to you guys to sanitize the freshwater system, which was probably an okay shape to begin with, but you want to do it right yeah you can't be too careful um and it was after that trip to pick it up from you guys that the generator just kind of pooped out on me and i couldn't figure out why until um i realized that the tailpipe was not hanging right on the side of the generator right yeah and it made a weird rattle i noticed when yeah it, when was, it was here thumping and yeah. rattling and um it it, it and I knew that I was going to have to take it in. And again, same thing with the seller. He'd show me, oh, yeah, the oil's full and everything's fine with generator. And he'd be able to start it up. And it started a little rough. The starter motor had a little hard time engaging a couple times. But you know, a couple hits of the button and you were running. And then there, I picked it up from you guys, drove it home. Generator died once I got it home. Couldn't figure out why. And I was getting a fair amount of exhaust smell into the cab, right. unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. And that's when I took it out to the local generator guys, and it took them. Again, they were backed up. That was a funny story. And then I called them up and said, well, I'd like to get it in. And they were like, I don't know what it is with you RV people. You people are supposed to be here in the spring. What do you mean we're supposed to be here in the spring? You guys are supposed to be here in the spring. This is the fall. Why are you guys here now? I mean, I don't think I've ever had any type of service dealer ever come to me and say, why are you here now? It broke now. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. And so they got me in eventually and gave me the bad news that, well, yes, the tailpipe has broken off the RV. Looks like it was bent at some point. That apparently happens a lot with tailpipes on generators they get bent sure. or they get whacked yeah yeah and the thing is you don't even you don't even realize it happened while you're while whatever's happening is happening right. you know in a motorhome a lot of times because there's a lot of sounds yeah there's a lot of sounds and they uh they then had to give me the bad news that well they went they took the generator out because they were gonna have to replace this tailpipe and they knew that and they had to find this bin that bolted to the motor on the generator and that then bolted to the tailpipe itself and they couldn't find a new one 
and it's not that they couldn't get a new one. It's it's listed in Cummins' directory. They were very clear about the fact that this was still very much a supported generator, even though it was older. It Cummins was still having the parts with were out there, but Cummins didn't have the parts. Right. Right. Yeah. They, that part exists. It is. It is made. It is made. No, but no one has it. No one has it. Which and, is. And so they told me, don't worry, we've got a burnt up one in the back lot. And I always find it funny how all these guys have back lots filled with junk that they're able to scavenge. And he said, well, how burnt up is that? Oh, no, no, it's fine. The rest of the generator is trashed, but we've been scavenging the good parts off from it now for a while. And sure. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll handle that. Yeah, but we've got one other problem. We don't think the oil has ever been changed in this generator. Oh, my. I said I don't think you told me this part of this story. Oh, I haven't. <laughs> no, I don't. No. I said, "What do you mean?" And they said, "Well, your oil's full, but the oil filter is—it's a part that Cummins doesn't make anymore. It's a part that Cummins doesn't make anymore. The oil filter? Oh, no, 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 no. Cummins bought such and such a company in like the '90s, and..." That company became their parts brand for a while. So it's kind of like Motocraft, Motocraft at Ford or Mopar sure. at, at Chrysler. And so they bought this company that was a parts supplier. It became their, their parts brand. I don't know the exact details. But then they said, and they haven't sold parts, service parts, under that brand since like 2002. Or some crazy number. <laughs> wow. He said, oh. He said, you got plenty of oil, but we just we just don't... We're seeing things here that are telling us that, that the oil's going through the blow-by because the filter's probably clogged up. So we just don't think the oil's ever been changed. All right, well, go ahead and fix that. All in all, to bring this generator back up to speed, we needed the elbow to out of the exhaust manifold to the tailpipe we had to have an oil change they took the heads off the engine and cleaned everything up in the heads they took the intake off cleaned up the intake they took the carb off wow cleaned up the carb had to replace uh, the springs and the starter because the starter springs were shot that's why the starter wasn't grabbing and now I have got a generator that starts on the first or second try every single time. Sure. And and if you keep oil in it and take care of it, it'll probably work well for the next 20 years. Well, the previous owner kept oil in it. He just never bothered <laughs> to change it. I mean, he kept I, oil in it. I knew someone who used to do that. And I, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but I'm pretty sure they just filled the oil, you know, until they could see it a time or two. And yeah. I was going, no, don't do that. Use your dipstick, you know? <laughs> oh, the dipstick isn't just something your friends call you. Like, <laughs> use it. Uh, <laughs> so I had that problem, and then, and that was after we'd gone camping. We actually had to, we, we camped in a park. And had ground power, or else it would have been a horrible camping experience, or at least it, w it would have been marginal. It would have been terrible, but you know your batteries are only going to last you a couple days, and all you got is DC power. So I mean, you're not 
weren't able to do a whole lot. Um, so we did go camping with the generator out of commission, and then the, we kind of called it almost the end of our season. But then, um, then I showed my parents the rig, and my dad used to have a CDL, and he did a little bit of short haul trucking, and at 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 a time in the past, and he walked around the rig one night when I had it up, showing it to him, and I had my lights on. He said, "You got a lot of markers missing," and I did. I only had like two front markers. I only had like three in the back. My side markers were okay except for one, which had just totally been hosed. Whoever had this rig before me just completely screwed up the wiring harness to one of my side markers. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to have to get in there and basically rewire it completely. But they just totally biffed the harness. It's a marker above, basically right above the rear, the right rear wheel. So my side markers are so-so. My aft markers were absolutely a horrible thing to try to fix. The front markers are easy. But it still was a lot of time learning how to, learning what markers to buy, what brand to get, how they're connected, what's hot on the marker, what's not hot, and, and then having to take off markers that are 25 years old in which most of the hardware is semi-rusted. Oh, yeah. And so you're greasing up these things, but then you're having to use needle nose pliers to hold bolts while you are you spin, to, yeah spin the nut off. While you're trying to spin the nut off from yeah. it, and not and and the bolts are behind a bulkhead that you can't get to. So whatever you do, you don't let that nut slide behind the bulkhead, or else you're not getting it back. Yeah. Yeah. That's why when someone comes in, they're like, "How much is it going to cost to replace my clearance lights?" I mean, ninety-eight bucks an hour. <laughs> it's, it's a terrible thing to have to estimate. How, I mean, you you would think that that would be pretty quick, right? I mean, um, just replacing a couple lights, right? It's pretty easy. But it, your experience is that it's it's not like that. And they're all different. That's, that's I mean, the, that, that's the other thing. <laughs> they're all different. In fact, my entire rig uses the same type of light all the way around. Right. But the front lights are wired differently kind of differently than the backlights. Oh, sure. They ground through the post or something right. instead of through a wire. Right. In right. fact, they all gotcha. ground through a post. They all ground through a post, but the rear lights, you have to be real careful with your posts because the rear lights are mounted to a metallic base. Oh, gotcha. And actually, in the rear lights, that metallic frame around the back edge of the vehicle, that metallic frame is the ground. The front lights, there's a post that's a ground because the front is a fiberglass cap. Yeah. So if they'd used a fiberglass cap on the back, it probably would have been done completely the same. And actually, the front was relatively easy to do because one post is ground, one post is hot, and you, and the way these markers are set up, um, there's actually uh, a contact in the marker that's ground. And then you've got a wire coming off the light that's your hot that you put an eyelet on, and that eyelet goes over the, the screw. The, but the backlights actually have a wire coming through a little hole in that aluminum that you then have to bind. Mm -hmm. And I used little wire nuts and then taped them up. And if I'd had a heat shrink and a heat gun, I would have heat shrunk and heat gun gun those. 
but instead I just taped them up. But after I wire netted them, I figured that I was probably okay. Oh, right? yeah, you should be good for years. Yeah. Now I've got markers. Yeah, which is important. It's important. I mean, my dad being, having been, having had a little experience with the state patrol and pulling commercial, I always kind of took the attitude, it's an RV. Are they really going to worry about me? You have disposable income. You will pay your ticket. Yeah, you know that. You don't live here. You're not going to fight it. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> You're just going to mail the check. <laughs> so we came back from that first uh, camping trip, and I started seeing this little leak under the rig. Now, when I bought it from the guy, I couldn't see any leaks. He'd run the engine. All the fluid vessels in the front of the rig all showed full. How was the oil filter? <laughs> I, I, I think he took it. I think he took it to one of the local places yeah. to get oil changes. Okay, and that's he, good. he was real proud of the fact that he'd had tires put on. He had yeah, one of the. They're you know, expensive. Yeah, he, he had tires put on, and he had put air springs on it in the past, and and so you know, the, as I said, the guy had the things he cared about, but then there's the things he right. wasn't paying attention sure. to. Sure. And I don't think he was paying attention to the fact that I think the radiator had sprung a leak because it was oozing on me. And my first thought was, oh, it, it might be the heater core. Because I first discovered it one day when I went out and fired the rig up and it was cold out and I flipped the heater on. And when it finally got to the mechanic that, you know, the one of two guys in town that can lift, you know, 20,000 pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said, no, it's much worse than that. It's not your heater core. Well, then what is it? It's your whole radiator. Whole radiator. Yeah, you better, we need to get you a whole new radiator. It's totally shot. So new radiator, brakes, guy puts on new tires, and nobody says anything to him about the brakes. Or they said things to him about the brakes, and he pulled that. No, 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 no. Just I'm just here for the tires. I, I got I got a dude that'll do the brakes for me. Yeah, brakes are a big deal. Yeah, I'm a big fan of stopping. <laughs> I'm a big fan of stopping too. And I didn't I didn't think the brakes were too bad on this rig, but you know, fifteen thousand pounds or so rolling down the road, sixteen thousand pounds. You're not gonna stop on a dime. Yeah, you, know, you, yeah. You, you, you you judge your distances and you ease into your brakes long before that stoplight because you need it. Yeah, so the folks I took it to basically said, yeah, you don't have much left on your rotors. There's not much left on the pads. And you got cracked rotors in the rear, which was, of course, the first time I found out that Ford F-53s have four-wheel disc brakes. Yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, I thought, wow, yeah. four-wheel disc brakes on a UPS truck? I yeah. mean, you're kidding. No, that's that's uptown. I mean, I mean, wow, okay. Yeah, so that was a lot of money. Anybody that's replaced rotors and pads and calipers. Calipers had to go, too. Yeah. So the whole thing got new, new brakes all the way around. Wow. And they had to find a ground issue because there was a ground issue with the chassis that was causing some of the lights not to work right. Multifunction switch. So that's the that's the signal indicator or windshield washer switch. That was not working right. Wow. Uh, rear end. They decided that they wanted to look at my rear end. 
So they dropped the fluid on the rear end. That was one of the cheapest things they yeah, did. Yeah, right. was the rear end. <laughs> they wanted to look at my rear end, and they were like, yeah, the fluid is, yeah, it's pretty much shot. Yeah. The rig has 66,000 miles on it. So if we take a look at 25 years old, 66,000 miles, and it's a six-digit odometer, so it really has not gone over. It's not 166,000. It's 66,000. I, I don't think all of this was really too bad. No, no. I mean, that's just, that's just having a rig, you know. And and part of the part of the issue might be just that it doesn't get driven as often. Well, I've I mean, I've. I've tried to piece together the life of this rig, and from what I can tell, because I, I got a whole valise, a whole folder, the original Fleetwood folder, with all the manuals in it, which of course are completely out of date, not because the stuff isn't there, but just because I don't think those manufacturers for some of that stuff exist anymore. Oh yeah, sure. And, um, and there were receipts and things in there from previous owners, and I've got receipts in there from the first owner. The guy I bought it from was the second owner. And what I think is, I think the rig's first life was a heavy RVer. I think the first people that bought it were, you know, three or four months out of the year RV RVers hmm. or snowbirds. And it because the rig has a number of receipts from California and some other places, kind of all over the desert southwest. And it, it's had generator work done on it before, just not an oil change. It had to have a controller board replaced on the generator. I've got the sales receipt for that. That was someplace in Oregon that they mm. did that. But And that was in the 90s. But the... But there... you. I guess what I'm getting at is, from what I can tell, I have some material from the first owner, and it looked to me like the first owner was using her pretty... You know, extensively. Sure. The second owner is a local, and I believe, based upon my conversations with them, that the rig didn't get a lot of long-distance miles. I think that, that when they first got it, they took it to the Oregon coast, and they took it to the Washington coast, and they meandered around the mountains, but that was what they did with it. And then I think in the last later years, probably the last 10 years, I think it's basically gone from here up into campgrounds in the Cascade Foothills, sure. Rim Rock, places like that. And that's all it's done. It's just gone from home to Rim Rock and back. And so they're not paying attention to the brakes. They're not paying attention to the fact the cooling system has decided to leak. You know, they, yeah. they're, they're filling up the fluids as it loses fluids and just shrugging their shoulders because they're only driving 60 miles to their camp spot. Right, yeah, it doesn't And then they turn it leak. off. Yeah. Yeah, and then they spend a weekend or three or four days someplace and they turn her back on, roll her back down the hill and park it in front of their, their house. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. So I, I think the point of exposing all of my failures in researching, because it sure would have been nice to have bought a rig that I could have just turned key and all the things would have been done to it. But when I look at what I paid... And what I would have had to pay for something that was turnkey with all the things done, or more modern, maybe not necessarily needing all that work, I was probably going to pay triple what I paid for what I got. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I believe that. And I don't have triple the value in terms of any of the fixing I've done yet. 
So let's hope we don't go too far down that path. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, and I also have to accept the fact that the rig isn't perfect. I mean, some of the latches on the doors, you know, two-sided latches, some of them aren't perfect. And so there's just some imperfection I have to deal with. But beyond that, it's it was a way in this last year to find a way economically to get out and try to do something different, do something fun. Yeah, yeah, and you got to explore that, that thing that you'd been kicking around for a couple of years, which is, you know, is this for me? You know, mm-hmm. is this something I want to get into? And it gave you a way of, of getting your foot in that door and kind of seeing if that's something you guys are into. And Well, this will be the first year that we're really scheduled out to do stuff. So, I mean, we're going to see if, if this is going to fit with us this year. We've enjoyed what we have done. We've liked the flexibility, but we also are starting out completely dry. I mean, between bringing the rig up to speed and so that we can do these longer distances trips. I mean, sure, I guess it would be nice if we just drove it up to Rimrock and drove it home, but I mean, we've got ideas to go other longer places, and we kind of have to have a rig that isn't spewing coolant or you know, that yeah. stops when going downhill. You yeah, know? yeah, that's a big deal, especially here in the northwest where we have mountains. Yeah. And hills, you know? yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that's that's part of the deal. We got a lot of good stuff here in the northwest. So, you know, you want to have a rig that'll get you to Bend, Oregon, that'll yeah. get you to Newport, that'll get you to McCall, Idaho, if that's where you choose to go. Right. You know, because we got a lot of, we got a lot of good stuff around here to see. You want to go see it. Yeah, but you don't want to be on the side of the road. No. No, it's it's nice to have a working generator if you are because it gets hot when the air conditioner yeah. isn't working and you're stuck on the side of the road. But, I mean, ideally, get it up and running and go hit the road. So, the warning is, if you go out there and you're looking at used RVs, it's not a case, in my opinion, tell me if you think I'm wrong, that you're not going to find a decent rig. It's just you're not going to find showroom fresh. And, yeah. And you will end up putting work into it. And you'll probably kick yourself a little bit while you're doing it. And I'd say don't because... Yeah. No, that, that's th- just part there of the aren't, deal. There aren't good ways to avoid. If you buy a car of the same vintage as your motorhome, mm-hmm. it's going to be a very similar thing. You're, you know, the barrier to entry is lower. Because the actual purchase price is low, but there are going to be things you need to do to keep it up. And, and, and that doesn't mean it's a bad car by any means. It just means, you know, once you get the bugs worked out, you know, maybe a perfectly reliable machine. But, yeah. But, you know, it doesn't, doesn't mean don't buy it. It just means, you know, you kind of have to know that. And I think you understood that when you were kind of going into it. Yeah, I did. It just, a lot of it came as a surprise, so. Yeah, I mean, what pops up will be the surprise. Right. Yay! You know, you never know what the surprise is going to be. <laughs> oh, so that's that's my segment for the week. And uh, when we get back, maybe a little bit of open chat. Sure. Have something to share with us? Go ahead and leave us a voice comment at anchor.fm slash watchyourtailswing slash message. Again, that's anchor.fm 
slash watch your tail swing, one word, slash message. We may address your comment in a future episode. That's this week's episode of Watch Your Tail Swing. Watch Your Tail Swing is brought to you by no sponsors. We do this because we like getting together to talk and hope you enjoy listening to us. Like all the other podcasters out there, we are most interested in sharing our knowledge and thoughts with others. Giving us high star ratings and subscribing to our feed in your chosen podcast delivery channels is helpful in getting more folks exposed to our content. This is especially the case in Apple Podcasts. But more than anything else, please subscribe so that you get notifications when the next episode drops. And let your friends and family know we're out there. Until next time, take it slow and watch your tail swing. <laughs>